0: This is episode 17 of Talking with Brian Lamb's Conversation with Historian Richard Norton Smith. It starts
1: after this. You've been in the classroom and you've taught college kids something I wasn't very good at. Uh, By the way, I think. uh, How How do you know? Yeah, I think. You know. You know when you've written a
0: good paragraph. Uh, you know when you've uh, delivered a good speech, and you know when you've um, um, done something that you were not. It's not that we we're unqualified. Um, it's just there are you know there are other things. Now, I mean, I will say the nicest thing, and it happens from time to time. Uh, you know, is when people come up to you and say, "You know, I was in your class," and so forth and so on. And that's wonderful. And When I say I wasn't very good at it, I think I was out of sympathy with the evolving maybe nature of the classroom. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm. I don't expect to have thirty people who is passionately interested the subject as I am or I was, you know, Um, but I wasn't very good at adapting to a culture in which maybe a handful of those 30 people were there because they really wanted to be there.
1: All right. Let's take somebody that really wanted to be there and um, they they want to do history, they want to become a historian. They want to become maybe a presidential historian. See, so, I, but, I'm the worst person to ask for advice. No, but no. What I'm asking you though is, what would you? T- how would you tell them to go about educating themselves about the yeah. subject matter? And how did you do it? What, what kind of techniques did you use over the years to to fill your head? You know, I was never conscious of
0: certainly technique is not. I mean, excuse the expression, no, 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 but i mean, i I not say what you say yeah, but but it suggests um a conscious pursuit, but what did you do? how did you
1: absorb all this information?
0: You see, the thing is, to me, it was just um an interest that was always there and indeed didn't even i didn't even think of as. For example, a, a career in embryo. I mean, I I never. I literally gave no thought. To um, what I'd be doing. In ten years or twenty years or thirty years, I gave no thought to, um, you know, first I write speeches and then I run presidential libraries and then I write books. I mean, I, you know, I don't. So I'm I'm in some ways the worst person to ask sort of career advice
1: for. Um, I'm not even really it's, <clears throat> asking about career advice as much as, uh, are there a series of books, for instance, that, yeah. that you know that you've read that you say, you know, this, this stuff, this is valuable stuff?
0: Yeah, I would just say, I mean, generally, yeah. Um, look, it's, it's a cliche, but it, for, for universal reasons. If there's, if there's something, a subject, that you're really interested in, I don't care what it is, say with me, presidents, uh, as a subset of Elijah, but I mean, it was through them, I think probably, that I, that I broadened my interests. Uh, uh, obviously, presidents exist in a context, and that context is called history. So, um, And then as you connect the dots... You find yourself um, uh, throwing out a, a wider net, so your your intellectual interests and and um, hopefully fields of expertise evolve and grow, but equally important, become more nuanced and and sophisticated. Um, but that literally can grow out of a childhood, for lack of a better word, preoccupation. I mean, I read books about presidents at a at an obscenely early age um, and enjoyed it and and it was as simple as that it was you know I mean I, I watching omnibus I mean there there <laughs> there's there was something that I' never I've never traced it to its origins I don't know where the seed was planted all I know is that pretty much from the first sort of Conscious, you know, memories. Um, I was interested in the larger world, um, in news, for lack of a of a better word, for the which I came to understand pretty quickly was history in the making.
1: Do you have a favorite news source today? Well, I'm a PBS fan.
0: Um, and i 'm an m s n b c viewer, which will give away my my political bias
1: um but people I, think you're a, a republican conservative
0: historian but see that that goes to the whole in some ways that actually is a is a very good very fundamental explanation of why you should be weary of what people think. Or, or, I mean, you know, why you should be willing to rethink what you think you know. Um, Historians are taught that as a rule, Um, which is why we have revisionist history. And on balance, I'd say it's a good thing we do.
1: Well, people don't remember Eisenhower, uh, Reagan, Lincoln, Dole. Um, oh sure well the, yeah they look at the Hoover institutions but see you worked in but, but, that,
0: but that is mm-hmm. that is I would argue I understand but that's also partly a reflection of the um, media culture which um, sort of short circuits thought I mean and, and assumes it takes for granted. If, if you're involved with these institutions, then ipso facto, you're a Republican or a particular kind of Republican or whatever, and then it's 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 people loading onto you, people projecting onto you, their assumptions, which of course is the absolute inverse of what historians and biographers, and indeed, I I would imagine any kind of scholar does, Um, it's certainly in a nutshell, the kind of approach I guess I've taken to the books I've written, for example, which is all about undoing, peeling away what we think we know about a historical figure. The Little Man on the Wedding Cake turns out to be a much more complex and interesting and I would argue admirable figure and i argue maybe the best president
1: we never had. What will, when you finish your book on Gerald Ford and when will that be out, by the way? We're hoping 2020. But when you finish that book, what do you think we will conclude about Gerald Ford's politics where he fits on the spectrum? You
0: know, I hesitate to p- predict only because people are... Unpredictable. I do believe. I think people will be surprised that for much of his career in the House, Ford actually was something of an insurgent. He was not the kind of amiable party um, wheelhorse, you know, that he was seen as once he became minority leader. Um, he was elected. As an insurgent who took on uh, an isolationist incumbent Republican, beat him in the primary with the support of organized labor. In his first term, he signed a petition for world government, world federalism. I mean, not the sort of thing you associate with good old Jerry, you know. And of course, and and that's what—that's the best part of for me. It isn't that I'm trying to prove an agenda. it is that I am pleasantly surprised and you know to find that the real Gerald Ford turns out to be frankly much more interesting um much less predictable um, figure than I think is generally believed, and even that i to some degree, boy even, I thought I knew him pretty well i, I It's interesting um, a friend, good friend who's reading the manuscript says his experience is every chapter he reads, he said, "I thought I knew him well, and I didn't know him nearly as well as I thought, and that's been for me in many ways the overwhelming I'm halfway through the manuscript I've written 400 pages and um, every chapter contains something and it's not like I'm specifically you know going after this or trying to manufacture this is not a theme that I set out for and you know uh, and who knows what happens the, the second half but 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 certainly the notion of Ford as a surprising figure who I would argue, in his early days, was in many ways that insurgent, and then in his and as as a post president with no more in effect political obligations, in some ways he reverted to that um, he he said once he said, "You know I keep reading that i'm a plotter um You know, that I, in effect, was just a party man. And and that, I think, the whole business about physical clumsiness, I I think he laughed that off. He said, having been a quarterback, I mean, having been in athletics and then a coach at Yale was actually very good preparation for dealing with the the Monday morning quarterbacks of, of politics and to some degree history. That, I don't think, bothered him. I think what bothered him, I think he was concerned that he would he would be remembered as just, you know, a party hack, a, a, a guy who just whose whose interest was no larger than or sympathies were no broader than. Um, and the fact is, if you start thinking in his later years, you know, he and I think Mrs. Ford was a, was a factor, you know. But you remember they were before, you know, before they died, they were sort of marooned in the modern Republican Party. They were pro-choice. Um, you know, they were both more liberal than they had been. Um, And I think some of that was in reaction to where they saw the the party going. Um, You know, I mean, any biographer, I don't care what the subject, I'm sure every biographer is in some ways delighted when he discovers that he was right. (laughs) that <laughs> turns out in his choice of subject because this is really more interesting you know, more unpredictable, more whatever, than than he thought in the abstract.
1: We have learned that you don't drive, and never have drive, driven? No. Oh, what's, God, no. What's the reason? I'd uh, <clears throat> be petrified, I
0: suppose is the ultimate reason um, I would be dead within a week and I no doubt would take innocent bystanders with me. It's a good thing I'm not on the road, I'd be. A, How do you a, get around then? God gave me two legs, and um, and I've managed to, you know, uh, or or uh, or uh, dragoon friends into, you know, and there's something called mass transit, which uh, works remarkably well most of the time. Um, I, I mean, one consequence is I've tended, not all, by any means. I, I I'm more of a city person, um, but you know, I've lived in. Twenty-eight places i moved 28 times since college and I lived in West Branch Iowa you know 1800 people and Abilene Kansas which is not a whole lot bigger and um and thrived where else well the the, the Simi Valley California with the Reagan uh, Springfield Illinois with the Lincoln Library um uh, Lawrence Kansas was the dual Institute Grand Rapids which is home now but you know Boston for for many years and I still sort of sentimentally have an attachment to to Boston um, the DC area um, I mean I I experienced and I think in some ways I've never really thought about it but I think it has to be helpful if you're writing about politics and leadership over you know, a long period of time, and I've really covered the gamut in terms of the range of American history. Um, it helps to have lived in different regions, to appreciate uh, different cultures, and, and, and if only to, to understand a little bit better some of the factors that may influence I mean, Gerald Ford was a quintessential Midwesterner, and in some ways he took a he paid a price. You know, there are people who look on Midwesterners, well, they, they talk slow, so it's assumed they think slow, um, or they're square, you know, or somehow culturally deprived. Uh, I mean the, main, main Street is a brilliant satire, but it is, is a you know complete. Uh, exaggeration of the small, you know,
1: airless, mindless uh, Midwestern burg. If you had twenty four hours to do anything, go anywhere, do anything, see anything, what would you do? What would be your first choice? Oh, I know. Well, it would it would presuppose
0: several impossibilities. But if you're saying you you can in fact do anything you want um anything yeah it would be um to uh, have uh, dinner with the queen <laughs> and then Buckingham Palace or yeah I mean I'm not picky I'll go I'll go to Windsor um but yeah I think that would be uh that would be my uh, uh the the top of my what would you ask her see my the problem with me is i'd take the historical approach i'd ask her about her I, i'd i'd ask her about her grandmother queen mary whom she increasingly resembles um i mean i'd ask her about yeah i'd ask her about uh, past members of, of the royal family um I, I, I got I went to London for the for the Golden Jubilee, um, the fiftieth anniversary, and had about a million people pressing me up against the uh, the fence uh, at, at the palace. But it was it was an, it was what was required. I was going to stand there for several hours, pressed against the fence, to see uh, an up close uh, view of Her Majesty uh, following a concert that evening. Uh, they came out into the into the courtyard, the four, the in front of the palace. I mean, she, she was probably she was a hundred feet away, and they got in a car and drove off to Windsor. So um, you know, I, at least well, a million people were singing, You know, God save the queen. Uh, that was a that was a better it was better than going to Times Square to see some ball drop. You know, on the on the old Times Tower. Um, that was a memorable experience. Um, I don't, you know, I'd like to have a visit with the Pope. You see, you see this recurring theme of, of authority figures, uh, inaccessible authority figures, but, but at least, you know, not malevolent authority figures. Richard Norton Smith is an American historian and author. You can listen to more interviews with him by searching his name in the video library at CSBAN.org.